This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode 183, recorded on Wednesday, October 29th, 2014. Okay, just gotta put this here. Okay, I'm 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 ready. Good, uh, good intro. Sorry, I forgot to do something there. I was finishing it off. Um, how's do it going? I have, should Should I do it again? No, no, no. Let's not do it again. I was just uh, distracted there momentarily. Okay. Um, you I, said, "And my name is Chris," right? I think so. <laughs> it, did, did you not hear me? <laughs> I don't know. Right. I wasn't paying attention. All right, you were just thinking so. Of... Let's uh, let's just get started here. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, <laughs> should we start recording now? Oh wait. Wait. Okay. Um, so we got a big, big show. We got lots of feedback. Um, are are you ready for a nice, big, long one? Are you buckled in? Are you are you feeling good about yourself? I am buckled in. I am strapped down. Oddly enough, I'm also on pins and needles, so uh, that kind of hurts. <laughs> and I'm ready for a, a big, fat show. Okay, that is exciting news. The first thing I want to do is play another entry in our record your favorite scene contest. This is a slightly <sighs> long one, so I hope you're prepared for this too. This comes from Chris. In Hawaii. You cannot tell me you're all right with this. No, I'm not. But we're guests here, and this isn't our land. Nah, this is our lives, Rick. We either gotta go in there, we gotta make things right, or we just gotta go. Now, we all been talking about Fort Benning. We can't go. Why, Rick? Why? We're not leaving without Sophia. Okay, <laughs> okay. I think it's about time we all just start to consider the other possibility. Hey, we're close to finding this girl. Just found her damn doll two days ago. A doll, Daryl. That's what you found. You found a doll. You get a good lead, it's in the first 48 hours. Let me tell you something else, man. If she was alive and she saw you coming all methed out with your buck knife and them geek ears around your neck, she would run in the other direction. Man, you don't know what the hell you talking about. Don't bow up to me, son. I'll beat your ass. Now everybody just calm down. Let me talk to Herschel. I'll figure it out. What are you going to figure out, Rick? We're going to stay. We're going to clear this barn. I gotta talk him into it. This is his land. Herschel sees those things in there as people. Sick people. His wife. His stepson. The man is crazy, Rick. If Herschel thinks those things in there are alive, then no. All right, that's it. Thank you, that Chris, was in Hawaii. Awesome. He does a damn good Daryl. There was Daryl in that scene. There was Rick. There was... I think Shane, Shane, and Dale. <laughs> yep. And was that it? Maybe that might be it. Daryl was uh, Daryl was my favorite. He 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 really was. That was really really good. Thank you, Chris, for that. That was fantastic. Uh, everyone, please send in entries for this contest. You can uh, record them on your phone and email them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail dot com, or give us a call eight one eight four 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 eight three nine six six two. We love to hear them, and it's so much fun to play them. So, get them so in. So this is your uh, this is your only trivia, uh, Chris in Hawaii. 
So the uh, the U.S. military has uh, a, a name designation for every time zone. Uh, you know, Alpha Time, Bravo Time, Bravo Time, Charlie Time. You know what time it is in uh, in Hawaii? Nope. Whiskey time. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> for the first time ever, while recording a podcast. I'm drinking a little bit of whiskey. <laughs> You're drinking the whiskey, so it is whiskey time. It's whiskey time in more ways than one right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm drinking some of the uh, single malt I brought home from Los Angeles from the duty oh, yeah? free. Yeah, nice. I'm drinking uh, Tim Hortons coffee. Well, that's just as good if that's your thing. Oh, it is so my thing. There you go. Do you like the dark roast? I haven't tried it. What really? I thought everyone had no. tried it. Why would I try it? I'm not trying it. I like. My double-double, and that's it. All righty. Okay, let's get into the feedback. We're going to start with some more holy craps because we didn't really do them all on Monday. So uh, let's do those right now. Cool. Holy crap. Did you see that? Who does the first one? Oh, you does. All right, I does. Gemma from Wales writes, My holy crap moment is when Glenn mentioned season one Jim and how long his bite took to kill him. I always remember Jim and his story of how he promised his boys he'd protect them from the dead, but the dead came back and took his boys right out of his hands, and the only, and he only got away as they were too busy feeding on his family. That story gave me chills as I'm a mother of two boys. Wow. Good old Jim. Yeah, good old Jim. I'd forgotten all about Jim until he was mentioned in uh, the, the episode this week, and... And uh, he was a good character. It's too bad he didn't last a little longer. That's true. Mm-hmm. All right, next it's uh, Samantha in Ohio. I wanted to send you my holy crap moment for uh, Sunday's episode. It was when Rick pulled the red-handled machete from his pants and killed Gareth just like he told him he would in the first episode. I actually cheered when Rick reached for it. I haven't been happier about a character's death since Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, Samantha didn't really like Shane too much. <laughs> And, that was awesome. And maybe Gareth. All right, Jack in rainy England writes, My holy crap, did you see that for this week's episode is Gareth's death. Not the fact that it happened, but how early on in the season it happened. I thought Gareth had been promoted to a season regular, so I really didn't think he would bite the bullet this early on. Hmm. Which is a good That's point. True. Um, it is. As far as I know, he was a season regular, and hearing you know Andrew J. West talk in various interviews and things like that, it sounded like he was going to be around for a while. So I guess that was all just blowing smoke up our asses, and he's gone already. Maybe we'll get, uh, like, five episodes of flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, everything until the mid-season finale is a flashback now. That's right. That wouldn't yeah, could that, be. That would be too much. But let me ask you this. The, okay. pa- the pace of season five, this brings up the... Um, Jack's uh, email brings up this question. The pace of season five so far has been very fast. They are not taking their time to do anything. Do you feel like it maybe is going a little too fast, or is this better than going way too slow, which has been a criticism of the show in the past? Uh, So far, I think I like the pacing. I mean, there was a little bit of a lull in the last episode, but I think they made up for it with that that final church scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, I think overall I'm pretty happy with the pacing. I don't think it's too fast. I don't think it's uh, it's definitely not too slow. To me, it feels a little fast, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like, they're out of Terminus. Terminus is gone. Uh, next episode, they, they hole up in a church. Terminus sort of reattacks them. That's done. Everyone from Terminus is dead. And, you know, maybe now it'll it'll sort of even out a little bit, 
but it does feel fast to me, but I think that's maybe just because of sort of what we're used to from past seasons, right? Staying at the right. prison forever, staying at the farm forever, um, and other stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm not disappointed by it, but I do hope that when the time comes to take their time on something, they don't just blow over it and, and kind of miss an opportunity. I'm sure they, they wouldn't do that. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. All right, next we have uh, Dylan in Hull, UK. Uh, the look on Daryl's face when Michonne asked, where's Carol? Uh, that was a face. That was a face that indicated one of two things. One, he didn't want to say that Carol was dead. Or two, he didn't want to say that he didn't, didn't know where Carol was. I'm going to go with number two because I don't want Carol to die. No one should want Carol to die. Carol's journey in this show compared to the comic is amazing. If anyone wants his character to wants her, this character to end I will literally eat their leg off and I'm not even a walker or a cannibal but Dylan will literally eat their leg off that's pretty uh, that's pretty hardcore Dylan that is pretty intense I do like Carol's story to myself and because of sort of all of the stuff that Carol's been involved with lately I sort of have a bad feeling for her yeah, I uh, I think uh, I think maybe uh, Dylan is going to have to eat a leg here. <laughs> he may have to, um, but uh, who who's it, who it's going to be? I don't know. I don't know. So Dylan, if we get any uh, emails uh, saying that uh, they do want uh, Carol to die, uh, we will uh, send them your contact information so that uh, you can contact them about eating their leg off. There you go. That's the kind of service we provide around here. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that actually happened one time. It's like a Guy, cannibal uh, hookup service. <laughs> That happened. Did you hear about that? No. A guy uh, posted uh, he wanted to, uh, he was looking for someone to kill and eat, and someone replied to it, and uh, they met up, and he killed him, and he ate about 40 pounds of him before the cops got a hold of him. You're making this up. I'm not making this up. True story. Where did it happen? I don't know. Somewhere look that up. in the world. Look it up. Google it. I'm not going to Google right now. it right now because we're in the middle of a you know holy crap moment here. So uh, you know, but it's it's happened. Well, that is I'm insane. That is insane. But I don't want to uh, steal the spotlight from the next holy crap, and that comes from Robin on Facebook. And Robin says, "Holy crap! Did you see that? The Last Supper on the wall next to where Bob is laying down. Bob was the termites' last supper." <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, like that. I, I knew that was, uh, I saw that there, the Last Supper, uh, it was a carving, mm-hmm. like a wood carving, uh, painting kind of thing. Um, I knew it was significant, but I didn't put that together, that it was the Termites' Last Supper. In fact, we saw that Last Supper a few times, actually, and we saw it before we knew that they were eating Bob, so definitely some foreshadowing there. Well, didn't uh, at the Last Supper uh, Jesus say, uh, this is my flesh? And this is my blood, and that's uh, they're eating the sacrament, which is the the flesh of Jesus. I believe you're correct in that. Very interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> All right. So uh, next we have Mark on uh, from what's left of the real Jersey Shore. That's right. Uh, holy crap! Did you see that? I didn't. Most of the episode was so dark; uh, it was hard to see anything. I wholeheartedly agree with Mark. I watched that episode twice. Once on actual broadcast TV when I was in LA and I found the episode pretty dark and then I watched it again uh, from iTunes on the plane ride home and it was even darker on iTunes. I don't know what they are doing or if it's just me or my eyes or maybe mine and Mark's eyes but when they shoot at night it is too dark 
And I know nighttime is dark. (laughs) You can't, you know, you can't have light or, you know, sunlight in in the night like that. But there's just something about it that it's just really, really hard to see and see the detail and stuff, I find. And it kind of bothers me. You have to watch it on film. Like they film it on, they film everything on film, right? They do, as far as I know, yeah. That has a lot, uh, a lot more dynamic range than uh, our digital televisions. So most likely, uh, what we should do is get a, a copy of the film and uh, buy projectors, and then watch it on uh, on a silver screen. That's a really good idea. I think AMC should provide us with that film, and then we'll make a deal with a local movie theater, and we'll have screenings every week. And all, yeah, and all our work. friends and listeners can come. That's true. That'd be fun. We should do that. And Mark, and Mark, I agree with you that uh, Snooky and JWoww have ruined the name of Jersey Shore. <laughs> I barely know what that means, but uh, I'm glad you do. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm surprised I know who uh, Snooky and JWoww are. Yeah, I've heard those words, but I'm not sure I know what they mean. <laughs> um, anyways, I think, yeah. Do you think people would come to our movie theater screenings of The Walking Dead every week? I probably uh, wouldn't make it myself. Well, what if we did it in, in your town? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a pretty busy guy. If I... No, you're not. <laughs> yes, I am. You're busy sleeping with your cats and stuff like that. That was last night, and I took cold medication, so I cocked right up. I'm just saying, I think if we organized a, a movie theater screening, you'd have to be there, first of all. It wouldn't really work. Well, not every week. I could make a special occasion, but uh, I don't think I could commit to watching it every week. No, I, that's fine. That's that's unrealistic. But if you came once, then I wonder if other people would come. That might be fun. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think a special occasion screening would be uh, would be a hell of a lot of fun. If a regular it, kind of weekly thing. I'm not sure that uh, I could commit to such an endeavor. Yeah, well, we'll see. If anyone from AMC is listening and you want to organize something like that with us, uh, give me a call or an email. I'm I'm I'd like to talk. <laughs> cool. Just saying. All right, let's move out of holy crap and into this. Listener feedback. Alrighty, our first email for listener feedback comes from Trevor in Morrisville, North Carolina. He's providing an update on an email of his we read on Monday, and he says, I just wanted to clarify that no, I have never stabbed a can of Pringles. (laughs) Gosh, who would treat a can of Pringles that way? My analogy was due to the sound the knife made going into Bob's head. Kind of crunchy, like a Pringle crunching. (laughs) Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Totally makes more sense. Why would you stab a can of Pringles? That's just... uh, just a bad idea. Did you know the uh, the inventor of the Pringle uh, Pringles uh, was cremated and buried in a can of Pringles that his family bought from a corner store on the way to the funeral? That's perfectly fitting, I think. Yeah, apparently he would want that kind of thing. How do you know stuff like this? Uh, I read uh, a Reddit page called uh, Today I Learned, a subreddit called Today I Learned, and it's just random weird facts that uh, people learn and i by proxy also learn you know i have checked out that subreddit before but i guess not as uh, diligently as you because you got it's my favorite one you got a fact for everything man yeah all right that's true all right so next we have uh, spock in don mills uh his ideas on how the zombie virus works uh, we like this and uh, pretty much consider this the final word on the topic for now Uh, Just wanted to share, Spock says, uh, my rationalization of the Walker virus. I look at it as a two-stage virus. Stage A is a dormant stage that we are all infected with, and I like the fact that you said we. Uh, Stage B is the active stage that all walkers have. 
Once you die, be it from natural causes or trauma not damaging the brain, the virus mutates from stage A to stage B and you turn. If you get bitten by a walker, the walker's stage B virus uh, infects, affects you, uh, your stage A virus, uh, prematurely uh, mutating your stage A to stage B, causing you to die from the infection and turn. In the case that you are bitten, I think there has to be a substantial trauma to the area and a generous amount of the, uh, in the case that you are, uh, that you are bitten, Let's try this again. In the case that you are bitten, I think there has to be a substantial trauma to the area and a generous amount of the walker's bodily fluids transferred directly into the open wound for a mutation from A to B to, to occur. That, that could explain why they can get the walker blood splatter in their face and even smear it all over their body. They just have to keep it out of open wounds. A few odd drops in the eye or mouth is not enough to infect you. I like this idea. There's two stages to the virus. And everyone has A, but stage B is activated through the transfer of fluids from a zombie into you. And getting bitten by one is sufficient to do that because usually they bite and they bite pretty hard and they take a big chunk out of you. So right. um, I, I do like and, that. And if you die naturally, it, it, it uh, mutates on its own from stage A to stage B. Correct. When, you're, when your system shuts down, that create, causes the mutation. Or if you get the bite and the, and the fluids are transferred, that accelerates the muta mutation from A to B, which ultimately kills you, and then you come back. So this makes a lot of sense. And um, as it relates to eating someone who is already in the stage B phase... I would think that, well, we don't know how cooking affects the virus, right? No, so it may kill it, it may not. Um, but uh, in general, for a general theory on how it works, I think Spock and Don Mills has come up with a pretty good theory. Well, I think we have to look up uh, meningitis and uh, whether or not if you eat the meat of someone or something that has meningitis, uh, you would get meningitis. Because you remember... Uh, Dr. What's-His-Name in the first episode said, a uh, first season, said that it was a, a form of meningitis. Did he actually say that? Uh, Noah, Noah something, yes. Yeah. Jenner, uh, Jenner, Dr. Jenner. Jenner, Dr. Jenner. Yeah, he said it, it was a form of meningitis in the final episode of the first season. Interesting, all right. Or did he say it was similar to meningitis? Yeah. <laughs> something along those lines. It was either, uh, you know, a form of meningitis or similar to meningitis. Right, worked the same way. Uh, either way, Dr. Spock, thank you, from Dom Mills. Neil from Cumbria, UK, writes in, he says, you talked about the whole tainted meat issue, and my opinion on it is, while it has been established that everyone is infected, not everyone in the Walking Dead universe has that knowledge. So, Rick and the gang are aware that we're all just zombies waiting to happen. It doesn't follow that the termites would know about that. I personally don't think eating Bob would do anything in particular to them, but it certainly put the cat amongst the pigeons. And that's another good point, that uh, if they don't actually know that everyone has this virus already, then they would naturally assume that eating somebody who's been bitten would be a bad idea. Right. Well, I guess we will never find out because uh, they're all dead now. They're all dead. They really didn't give them a chance to, uh, to let us know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right, next we have a call from Patience on the Internet uh, on the time between Episode 1 and 2. Yes. And also something about Morgan was a month behind. All right, I'm going to give you a tip, Jason. The notes yeah. I put in square brackets, you don't have to read. Yeah. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> They're just notes so that we remember to to mention something later, <laughs> or or regarding what this uh, what this call or email is about. Well, okay, so I'm going to be like Ron Burgundy. If you put it in front of me, I'm going to read it. <laughs> All right. Um, let's, let's listen to the email, and then I'll show you how this works. Or listen it's to the a call. call. It's not an email. Sorry. I'll, we'll listen to the call, and then I'll explain how this works. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Hey, guys. This is Patience. Um, I think that the time span between episode one and episode two is supposed to be months because there's a change in wardrobe. They go from super sweaty to wearing jackets and um, Judith obviously looks older, but um, you know, the guy that uh, Tyrese beat up in the cabin is now completely healed, even though he should have been a bloody pulp. So, I don't know, just something to think about. Okay, bye. Thanks, Patience. So, what she's saying is that there's actually a much more time has gone past between episode one and two, and not it's not just like one day or a couple of days that we seem to think. Um, and you know, I guess the clothing and the and, and stuff like that supports supports that idea and the fact that right. um, Martin had time to heal from his beatdown by Tyrese. And then the other thing is, my note here about Morgan. I know yeah. that Morgan was months behind months behind them because I went and I read the official AMC full synopsis for episode one. And the last line of that synopsis is months later, Morgan sees the sign that Rick defaced and, uh, and, and then follows some marks on some trees. Or right. Some. So the marks on the trees could, uh, would, would, is probably the termites then that have that like all the, uh, as they went, uh, months ago, like to follow, to try and find these people. Right. So it took them months to find them. Exactly. It took them months to find them. Um, now, that, that wasn't verbatim that uh, as, as it was written in the synopsis, but it did start with months later, Morgan shows up, basically. So if, if Morgan wasn't there for months, maybe those months of time basically passed, and then we pick up with our group after they've been wandering around in the forest, and you're right, termites took months to find them, and then it gave Martin a time to get all better and so on and so on. So there is some definitely some um, evidence that it could be longer than we think between episode one and two. Uh, but there's probably just as much evidence that says, you know, indicates that it's the very next day. <laughs> I, I accept that. All right, cool. All right, call now comes from Alan in Calgary, Alberta. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. This is Alan Lavender calling from Calgary, Alberta. Thanks again for taking my call about the balloons way back in uh, the last season. My question is actually about the first episode of this season when Tyrese walks out of the cabin with Judith. He closes the door behind him, but in the next couple scenes, I think the door is open. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on that or you thought it was the same thing, uh, maybe you could mention it. Thanks very much. Bye. No problem, Alan. The door, I went back and checked. He closes that door. You hear the door close. Cut. Door's open again. <laughs> nice. When he's talking to Carol. So I don't think it means anything. I think it's a small continuity problem that they didn't catch because in the subsequent scenes, doors closed again. So, you know, they just did a pickup shot. Door was open and they're like, ah, no one will notice. It's probably a production assistant. I think you so. Know, going in and, and delivering dry cleaning or whatnot. It's something like that. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I really don't think it means anything. I mean, there was no time for that door to be open or closed. No one, it's not like Martin was in there and he ran out and no one saw him, so. Is it a ghost? 
Maybe it's a ghost. Maybe it's a ghost. All right, next we have a call from Danielle in Orange County. Hey, guys, this is Danielle from Orange County, and I just wanted to say, did anybody notice how easy it was for the termites to break into the church? But all of the parishioners um, that, you know, Minister Gabriel locked out weren't able to get in, but they were able to carve out (laughs) words on the side of the church. I just thought it was really easy for the termites to get in compared to anyone else who was, you know, fighting for their life to get into the church. So let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, you know, Gareth and the group pretty much just walked in, walked up and opened the door. Yep. Maybe they left the door unlocked for them because that was sort of the plan. Maybe there's a big bar that goes on the door that uh, that the priest put on to keep the parishioners out, but they didn't put the bar on because they wanted to get these, uh, you know, the termites in the church, like you say. Yeah, I mean, if if you're luring someone in there, you don't want to make it too hard, right? And it's it's already been established that that door locks pretty well because the rest of the congregation was locked out and they couldn't get in. Now, unless it's a congregation of nine-year-old children or something like that, then you got to think that that door has some way to lock pretty heavily, but they didn't use that this time. Yeah. I think maybe a factor, a small factor in that would be the parishioners may have a mental block on damaging their church. So they may, I don't know if that would prevent them from actually trying to break down a door, but, you know, they don't want to, you know, damage the church. Nah, it's probably, I mean, they were scraping at the windows. They didn't care about that. And then they carved something into the wall. I think it's just um, maybe they were panicking and they didn't know what to do. When you panic, you don't think straight. Right. Maybe they're just running around in circles and screaming. <laughs> exactly. There's a perfectly safe church here with a door that's easy to open, but we're going to run around in circles. True. All right. Mike in Gainesville, Florida gave us a call. Hey, Jason and Chris. It's Mike from Gainesville, Florida. Um, I was listening to my your guys' podcast today, and uh, 182, and you guys were talking about how you're not so sure how Gareth knows that Carol killed his mother. And I think you were on the right track. I feel like... He might not realize that she literally killed his mother, like, you know, shot her in the leg and opened the door for the zombies. But I think, you know, he obviously knows she's the one who caused the mass chaos in Terminus. So in his eyes, where again, he doesn't know for sure, he does know that Carol is the direct cause of his mother dying. And so that's why he probably blames her. So... That's it. Uh, he probably guys got a lot of messages regarding this topic, but figured I'd throw my two cents in. So, uh, yeah, that's it. All right, guys, keep up the good work. Love the show. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I just want to say that, to me, Mike's voice really reminds me of the actor that plays um, plays Ray on Girls, Alex Karpovsky. Hopefully that's not a big insult Ray? to uh, Mike. I yeah. don't know what, which one is Ray? Is he the guy that never wears a shirt? No, 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 no. Um, that's uh, uh, that's Lena Dunham's boyfriend. Um, but he wears shirts now in the show. You, oh, does he? Have you only that's too bad. Have you only seen season one? I've only seen season one, and that was my favorite part, was that he never left his apartment and he never wore a shirt. All right. Well, he's, he's, he's done a lot of things since then. But uh, okay. Alex Karpovsky plays Ray. He runs a cafe in the show. I don't know if uh, he did that in season one, though. But anyways... I think I think Mike in Gainesville, Florida, sounds like him. So I'm just just throwing that out there. 
Uh, as I for, think that Mike in Gainesville, uh, Florida, is smart because he said uh, he said my name first, Jason and Chris. That's probably the first time that's ever happened. It it could be. Except that we you do introduce these feedback shows instead of me, so it makes more sense for people to address you first. That's true. This is your. I agree with that. This is your big show, after all. C does come before J. That is true. But I'm older than you, so I I literally came first. You, yes, you did. Um, and the letters of your name are spell subsequent months, don't they? July, August, September, October, November. That's amazing. I bet you there's a lot of Jasons out there that never realized that. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. J-A-S-O-N. I only realized it like a month ago. Well, everybody's got gaps in their, uh, their knowledge. All right, Mike, thank you in Gainesville, Florida. So he's basically saying that Gareth doesn't know that, uh, uh, Carol explicitly killed his mom, but right. given all the evidence, that's kind of what it leads to, right? Right. And so, and I think that makes sense. That does make sense. And we have another theory from Jeff on the internet. At the end of the last podcast, you asked how Gareth could know that Carol killed his mother. Here's my theory. After the explosion and during the chaos of the Walker attack, Gareth started gathering survivor termites onto the rooftops, including his mother. Out of the corner of his eye, he spots Carol walking into the m memorial building. He figures out that the walkers typically don't carry crossbows and deduces that the gray-haired woman must be the one who started the explosion. He can't spare any of the few termites on the roof so uh, who are still clearing out walkers, so he sends his mom down to ambush Carol. Mom, go ambush that lady. <laughs> yeah. Later... After the walkers have been cleared, Gareth finds his mother dead in the memorial building. When he finds out that Carol is still alive, he can be certain that Carol was the one that caused his mother's death. Yeah, also uh, a pretty good theory. Um, Jason on the internet, hey, there's another Jason, uh, wrote this. It didn't appear to me that Mary just ran across Carol in the sanctuary, but instead either followed her there or was moving to intercept her. In either case, before Mary confronts Carol, the smart move would have been to notify someone via shortwave radio, which we know they have, as Martin was using one when he was captured, and I believe Gareth used one right after the explosion, uh, that the intruder had been spotted and that she was moving in to stop her. Take uh, the message, add some shots from that direction, along with a body could have convinced Gareth and, uh, that Carol killed Mary. Circumstantial evidence, but good enough for a zombie apocalypse. But, Especially if you're on a rampage uh, revenge mission. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Uh, Jason goes on, but the most obvious answer is that a lich told Gareth they had a True. summoning circle in the sanctuary and Mary was the blood sacrifice. If that doesn't summon a lich, I don't know what would. Well, I could look it up. I got it in my, uh, my book up here, uh, <laughs> my monster manual. I could look it up and see how to uh, summon a lich if it's even possible because liches seem like pretty high-level thing that they... They go where they want. But then again, you may summon it, and the summoning might just be, hey, if you have some time, would you mind uh, coming here so that we could talk to you? And a lich may grant your request by showing up. So it's not really a summoning. It's more of a, uh, a request. A request that they may or may yeah. not grant. All right. Well, uh, in general, we now have uh, two or three theories on how Gareth knew that Carol killed his mom, I think the point to take from all this is that it's not really explained in the show how he knows, and we have to sort of reach at these theories um, to explain it. 
I probably could uh, come up with a theory involving time travel if you really wanted one. I think I think we've had enough of those lately. Okay, so uh, next we have an email from Neil in Cumbria, UK. I'm really not a big fan of the trope where protagonists discuss their plan, then make a secret better plan off camera. This instance of, uh, of it wasn't the worst I've seen, but it was super intense and well played out. But I still was kind of, oh, so that tension was for nothing moment uh, at, the, at the reveal for me. Oh, so all that tension was for nothing moment at the reveal for me. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, yeah, you know, this occurred to me too that, okay, we see the characters talking about plan A, and then yep. they execute plan B. But it didn't really bother me because when I watched it a second time, you sort of realize that they never really detail the plan. They say things like, that's a great plan, and this is very risky, and are you sure we should do this, and so on and so on. But they don't really give the details of the plan. So it's not like we had a bunch of characters sitting there going, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then at this time we'll meet up and then kill everyone after that. And don't forget I have the red machete on my belt, and I've got to use synchronize that. your watches. Got to use that to kill this guy. Now make sure you synchronize your watches. You know, we didn't get that level of detail. Um, right. I can see Neil's point. But as he said, this wasn't nearly the worst like incidents instance of this that that I've ever seen. True. Did it bother you that they didn't reveal the plan sort of more before they executed it? No, because I knew what was going to happen as soon as they walked away, and uh, and the termites broke into the church. I kind of knew that uh, that they were going to return. Rick and the gang were going to return yeah. and save the day. And, and I think that this was a pretty good. Uh, this was a pretty good way of maintaining the tension and the, the intensity, right? Because yeah, uh, yeah. they just were vague about it. And then, you know, maybe they, they huddled in a corner and whispered the plan to each other just in case the termites were listening somehow. And then when they stepped back a little bit, that's when they say, you know, the that's when they, they are vague and all that. So they don't give away their plan, right? That's true. Makes sense. Uh, and the only other, uh, you know, I wasn't entirely convinced, to be honest, I wasn't entirely convinced that uh, that Rick and the gang would show up again. I thought maybe that the priest uh, attempted to cast uh, Divine Intervention, which is uh, an eighth level priest spell that, uh, you know, it's, it's a request. It's like once in their lives, a, uh, a cleric can cast this spell and the their god or deity will show up and intervene. Is so it, I thought maybe God was going to come down and, and uh, start, you know, pointing fingers and killing people at one point. That would take this show in a whole new direction. Is that a D&D &D sure thing? It sure would. It's a D&D &D thing. For a guy who doesn't really play D&D, &D, you sure know a lot about it. I used to play D&D &D a lot. Yeah, but that was 20 years ago, wasn't it? You don't forget. You do not forget. At one point, uh, a bunch of us that played D&D &D sat around and said, if they gave out doctorates for Dungeons & Dragons, we'd all be doctors. Because we knew that much about the game. Jesus, that's a lot. But that was that was version three and three point five. After that, you know, I know sort of version four, but I never I never played it. Now they've come up with version five, and it seems better, but it's uh, it's a little streamlined for my uh, my taste. What are you gonna do with all your version four books? I don't know. I'm just gonna sit on a shelf. Maybe we should organize a game. Maybe we should. If the, why don't we? <laughs> We're gonna we're organizing a lot of stuff this episode. We're gonna have screenings in movie theaters, yeah, and then we're gonna have D and D a D and D organized game uh, with all our listeners in the local area. 
Yeah. I you remember way back when I thought that it would be a really good podcast was for us to play D&D and just podcast it. Yes. That would have been awesome. There's actually podcasts out there where people play D&D. And they just record it and put it on the internet? Yeah, I listened to like 100 episodes of one of them and uh it was months worth of worth of podcasting greatness because it was uh it was I forget the name of the podcast now, but it was awesome. Wow. That is that is a lot of I mean, that's like a fly-on-the-wall kind of situation for a podcast that uh, you really got to be into what you're listening to. Yeah, it was great. I really liked it. All right. That's uh, that's quite something. Um, let's move on. Is it me? Okay. Yeah, I believe it is. All right. Well, this is a call. I don't have to do anything. It's a call from Saro in New Jersey. Hey, guys. This is Saro from New Jersey, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I had a real problem with the, de- the plot device of the termites um, coming into the church. I mean, this is a group of people who essentially were able to see Daryl and Carol leaving in a car. They were incredibly sly in regards to how they hid and watched these guys in the church. But the minute, you know, the five people left to go on patrol or to go after them, immediately the entire team of guys comes to the church and puts the entire termite group at risk. It just seemed like a pretty silly device knowing how sort of intelligent they were leading up to that point i was wondering what your guys thoughts were thanks keep up the good work what do you think jason i think leave somebody outside the church to keep overwatch would have been the prudent thing to do it would i mean you i guess you want to take your opportunity when it presents itself and having rick and everybody walk away from the church is a pretty good opportunity but you're right i mean just going in there and not and assuming that they're gone and they're not going to be back for a while is pretty short-sighted. Or if they had two-way radios, like you, Schmo, go follow them and uh, radio back if they do anything that uh, can jeopardize us killing everybody in the church. <laughs> if if they just turn around all of a sudden, let us know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it, it was a bit crazy um, as a plan. But then again, you know, we're, we're being Monday morning quarterbacks here, you know, so... Uh, we can't really judge. You know, they were there in the moment. They had uh, they had uh, the situation to deal with, uh, and they, they dealt with it just uh, really, really with, with one fatal flaw in that they assumed that everybody was gone and uh, didn't make sure. That's typically the downfall of people. You make one fatal—you can be, like, the best, uh, most organized person in the world, but one flaw can lead to your ultimate downfall. Right. And that's, it's, that's it's what It's the assumptions that'll bite you in the ass every time. That's right. All right, who's next? Who's next? It's me. It's Paul in England. Uh, while enjoying this episode, I have to say that I'm a little disappointed on how quickly Gareth and his band of cannibals were dispatched. Not to mention that, in the end, the termites were responsible for the deaths of precisely zero of our characters. It's like the supposedly fatal virus in the wild dogs from season four all over again. All of these supposed maniacs should take a page from the governor's book. Boy, did he know how to dispatch a meaningful character. Yeah, what do you think about the fact that we've now gone a, a, a fairly long time without a, a major character death? Well, Bob died. Oh, oh right? sorry, to Bob honest, died. He, Bob died, and that's a major character death, but the termites caused zero fatalities of our heroes. Should that be a problem, though? Like, should every— It is a problem. It is a problem? Should every— It is a problem. Why? Because the termites had— uh, complete control over this group at one point. 
like complete and utter control. They had them all in a box. They were in a deadly situation, and they all got out of it without a scratch. And all of the termites died. There would be casualties. Okay, but should every encounter our heroes have with bad people or 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 just difficult situations should every encounter result in some sort of in some death yeah or, or... Well, we can we can pick up uh, red shirts along the way like if they had excuse me if they had picked up anybody from uh, you know anybody else had escaped with them from terminus and they lasted 3 episodes and then died you know it's not a major character death but at least it would be a casualty that i could get on board with well, uh, Sam died, and those three other guys at the trough. Yeah, but that's right. You know, who cared about them? They were just, you know, make us like them a little bit. Bring them along. Yeah. Have, give them a line or two. You know, get, them, get us to trust them. You know, maybe uh, Tyrese bonds with somebody, and they uh, they both have hammers so that they can uh, <laughs> they can go, hey, I have a hammer. Hey, my hammer's bigger than yours. Uh, let's go try it out. You know, kill zombies. And, you know, they have a, a meaningful nod at one point. And then you kill off that guy, and you go, ah, oh, crap. You know, Tyrese's buddy just died. <laughs> I was just getting a Noah's hammer. That's right. <laughs> well, look, I, I see what you're saying, and I see what Paul in England is saying, but I think that if every time our everyone got into a sticky situation, somebody was killed off, that would be equally unrealistic and predictable. So I don't want to know that if they're going through the forest and they meet a priest and they save him and the priest has done something bad and he turns out to be not so good, you know, just as an example, um, that that if they have to fight their way out or whatever, someone's going to get killed. I, you know, I feel like that'll be just too predictable. And in this case, the group got lucky. Nobody died at Terminus. Um, I sort of see your point about nobody, like about everybody from Terminus being killed. Um but I just don't want the show to be super predictable in that way. You know what I mean? Right. Well, well, what do you think is going to happen to the priest? You think he's going to die? He's a character they they that they picked up along the way. Um, you know? I have. Is he going to be killed off in the next episode? No, I don't think he is. I think the priest is going to come along for the ride for a little while. Okay. One of two things are are going to happen: either everyone leaves and the priest stays in his church because that is his home by himself, or he realizes that there's nothing left for him there and that he's going to leave with the group and travel with them. Right. As for how long he survives in the show, who knows? He could survive for years from now on. Um, but I don't know. I just think that that it's fair to say that, that nobody was killed off in the last few episodes involving Terminus, but I don't know if it's that much of a problem because just because something bad happens doesn't mean someone has to die or right. or be murdered. I mean, I know Bob died, but he died in a different way, right? Not as a direct result of the termites. That's true. So, I don't know, it's a tough it's a tough call. The other, you know, I I also am grown fond of many of the characters on the show now, and I don't want to see them die either. That's the thing. That's true. If this was Game of Thrones, somebody would have died. Oh, God, the the whole cast would have rolled over by now, except for one <laughs> very short guy. <laughs> oh, they would have killed Rick off in the first season. Oh, for sure, for sure. Rick would have been dead at the end, and uh, Carl probably would be still going. Oh, yeah, Carl would still be going. I don't know. Uh, let's go on to Darcy from Janjuk, Australia. Sorry, Darcy, I, I don't have any idea how to pronounce that. 
Um, Darcy writes, the thing that gave me the shits <laughs> was that it was revealed that Bob was infected, but we didn't even get to see if that would infect the people that ate him. Honestly, it would have been awesome to see if it affected them in an extreme way, but no, AMC shit on that idea. <laughs> they did. I think that was a, a major failing on their part. We didn't get to play out that, uh, that story at all. Yeah, I mean, the, to bring it up, to sort of point out the uh, the idea that they were eating an infected meat but not show the payoff from it does seem a little strange. does seem a little strange. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe, like we said last time, maybe they don't really know <laughs> what, what the effect of that w- was going to be. But then again, they should have come up with an answer. Right. Right. So, uh, Darcy, it's terribly unfortunate that uh, that kind of uh, television would uh, give you a gastrointestinal, you know, distress issue. Uh, or maybe that's just a term in Australia that we're not familiar with. Well, you know, we're, we learn terms from all over the world all the time uh, on this podcast. Last time it was odd socks. And uh, the uh, listener who, who wrote that wrote in again and said, I can't believe you've never heard the term odd socks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and the term odds and sods is one of my favorites too. Yeah, exactly. All right, so next we have Amanda in Cary, North Carolina. I found it very interesting how the play between good and evil were used in this past episode. We saw Gareth go from clinical butcher to vengeful cannibal. We witnessed the preacher confessing his sins of cowardice and negligence. Uh, We were inspired by Tyrese and Bob's positivity in the worst of conditions, as well as arguing for forgiveness and remembering oneself. Lastly, we saw Rick and his gang gruesomely ambushed the cannibals in the pristine church. I love how the show makes us question how far the good guys will really go in order to survive. I can't wait to see what the show takes us next. Very good points, Amanda. These people have done some horrible, horrible things, and uh, they're supposed to be the good guys. Executions in a church, eh? Because they were essentially executions. There was, yeah, I don't have any other way to describe them. You know, that church was built specially for the show. It was not a real standing church. And the reason... Oh, they're so going to burn it down. Well, that's what everyone assumes. But I'll <laughs> tell you the actual reason. They they said that we were concerned about having that level of violence in a oh, real yeah. church. And so, that, That's true. And so they built one instead. And uh, then they were okay with all the violence. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. As long as it wasn't, you know, actual consecrated ground. That's... Uh, that would be tough to, you know, get past the censors. It, I mean, you, yeah. it might be, yeah, but no, they, they built a church just for that. All right, Nerl. They're totally burning it down. Well, probably. They're going to burn it. Yeah, probably. If you build something and it has no reason to be there, burn it down. Burn it. The, the barn was built specially, right, to be burnt down yeah. in season two. Why, why would you not burn it? I mean, what's the point? I mean, I'm sure the point is what you said, so that they don't have to, you know, have a bl- bunch of violence inside an actual church. But uh, if you're going to go to the trouble of building something for a, sh- a show, you know, burn it down. At least, you know, if it's not part of the episode, episode, make it an extra and burn it down. Take a page from, uh, uh, what's that show with Jason, uh, Jamie and uh, and Adam Savage? Um, Mythbusters. Mythbusters, yeah. When in, when in doubt, C4. <laughs> when in doubt, blow it up. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right. I, I think that's an that's a crazy ex, extreme to go for for a TV show. Build an entire church like that's it's probably not uh, you know the 
best well-built church in existence. <laughs> Just enough to, it's not going to last thousands or hundreds of years like like some old cathedrals do, but. Yeah, four guys with three hammers could build a church in a few days that uh, would stand up long enough to uh, to film for a, a week or so. Still... It doesn't have to be up to code. They don't need to have electrical outlets. They don't have to have proper plumbing. You know, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, weatherproof the way uh, a regular building would be. They're not, you know, they're not building it to code, to George's code. It's like clothes you put on a dead person before you bury them. Well, that's the real people's clothes, though. That's their, usually, you, you know, you you have a, their own suit no, that I, you put on. I'm them, pretty sure, though, you buy a suit. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can get, like, funeral shoes and stuff like that that you put on a dead person that are just super ultra cheap and they're they're just like window dressing for shoes they're not if you tried to walk around in them for any period of time they'd break down in like the first day right like baby shoes yeah that's right they're not meant to walk around in they're just you know they're to look like the kid's got shoes on like what the hell does the baby need shoes for yeah to keep their feet warm uh but what uh, you put on an extra pair of socks that's true we do that we do that all the time with our kids um, what I was thinking, though, is that just seems like such an expense. Like, it's still, even if you're building a half-assed church, it seems like a big expense for a TV show. But I guess if you have the budget and you don't want to massacre a bunch of people in a real church, that's what you do. What were the ratings in the last episode? Do you know? Well, Jen, Off the top of your head? The Oh, the ratings. No. Uh, shoot, I don't have those. All right. So 15 million people, let's say. I think it was at okay. least that, yeah. Okay, so 15 million people watch this show, which means the commercial, uh, the, what they're charging for commercials is, is uh, you know, based on that, which means there's a lot of money coming in for this show, which means the budget for each episode is, uh, is what, $5 million? It's got to be at least that, I would think. Right. How much do you, you know, and if you're going to have uh, a bill, if $5 million spread over, let's say, four episodes, which is $20 million, you've got to shoot four episodes, if you spend $50,000 on the construction of a set, who the hell cares? Well, I... You know, I 50 grand, I don't think, is a way out to lunch for cost of wood and uh, the uh, the crew to build it over a week. I, I You're probably right. Do you think it was only that much, 50000 50, Yeah, I, mean, I don't I mean, think who it was knows? super expensive. You don't have to insulate it. They did probably didn't even put shingles on the damn thing. You're right. There's Like you said before, no plumbing, no electricity electrical that they would need really or very basic anyways um yeah you're right the windows are made out of uh probably not you know great thermal insulating windows uh we know the door was crap because they just kind of busted it open <laughs> they just walked in yeah right probably so plastic you build windows. a good floor and uh, an okay walls and a flimsy roof and you're good to go all right there you go that's uh that's that makes sense to me um Who's next? Nerla on the internet? Oh, that's you. Nerla, yeah. Nerla writes, did Maggie forget that she had a sister? She never yeah. mentions her or even seems upset that she's missing. Why would Glenn volunteer himself and Maggie to leave with Abraham when he knows that Beth is out there? And Bob told the group that Daryl and Carol went to look for her. Why didn't the writers just add a line that was like, we'll leave with you because we may run into Beth or someone that knows the guys that took her? Well, Maggie and Beth are only half-sisters, right? Right. Maggie was from a previous marriage of Herschel's. Correct. Okay, so who gives a shit about Maggie or, you know, Beth? <laughs> I'm pretty sure... Only half-sister. I'm pretty sure half-siblings are often just have as close a relationship as full siblings. I'm kidding. I have a half-brother, and, uh, you know, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but, <laughs> you know, 
It would it would be important for me to stick around to make sure he was still alive. Your okay. Your half brother is, as far as you know, essentially missing at this point, because you haven't well, talked I, to him in a long time. I haven't talked to him. I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> he wasn't kidnapped. That's the point. But he was. Yeah, he wasn't kid. If he was kidnapped, and he was, uh, you know, I was there for the entire, uh, his entire life. And he was now 17, 18 years old, and I'd been around for 17 or 18 years, and all of a sudden he was kidnapped, and the only one who seems to give a shit at all is Daryl. Uh, you know, maybe I might stick around and see what happens. I'd be curious, it is, at the least. It is a massive criticism, and I have no idea why they haven't made Maggie uh, at least seem concerned. Like... It, it it makes no sense at all. And now she's leaving with Abraham, knowing that they are heading straight north for, for Washington, D.C. And at the same time, Maggie has the knowledge, not that Beth is okay, not even that she's alive, but the last person to see her and be with her um, uh, says that she was alive then. And yeah. it's not even that long ago, right? It was a couple episodes before the end of season four, wasn't it? Yep. So well, maybe maybe Maggie has such faith in her sister's ability to survive and to prosper under adverse conditions that she's like, yeah, Beth will be fine. Yeah, but whether she'll be fine or not, Maggie should be like, I want to see her again. If assuming she is fine, let's find her and maybe we can hang out again. You know, it 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 bugs me too. It's and it, I know it bugs everybody. Like the internet is on fire with people saying, why doesn't Maggie care about her sister? Yeah, Maggie really doesn't care, but maybe there's uh, maybe there's some bad blood there. Maybe uh, maybe you know Beth stole Maggie's boyfriend at one point. I hope that <laughs> maybe <laughs> it was Jimmy. Remember Jimmy? Oh yeah, remember Jimmy? They, maybe yeah, maybe Jimmy was Maggie's boyfriend at one point, and uh, Beth stole him, and now he's dead, and she'll never forgive her. And uh, you know, I'm glad she's gone. Screw her. Yeah, Jimmy uh, got around that family all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, all I hope is that if if Beth comes back safely and she's reunited with Maggie, I, I hope there's a scene of them talking and there's an explanation given somehow. Like maybe Maggie says, I've been, you know, I talked to Daryl. He said you were okay, but we were captured. And, and then I asked Glenn every day if we could go find you, but he was too busy or something like that. You know, I, I don't know. Right. And it wasn't important enough to make it on camera. That's right. That's right. It didn't make it into the show. My lines were cut, but boy, did I talk about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Tara in Omaha. She writes, I was just wondering what your feelings are on Tyrese. In the comic, he was such a strong and amazing character. However, it seems like the show is making him out to be more and more of an insignificant character that needs someone else to take care of him. Fingers crossed that we see him go apeshit crazy with the hammer sometime soon. Well, he should say it's hammer time at some point. That'd be uh, that'd be awesome. I'm not so sure awesome is the right word for that, but it would be something. <laughs> I don't know what this hammer time is and how it differs from regular time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know what? Here's my thoughts on Tyrese. I think that you're that Tara. You are right. He is. I wouldn't say in an insignificant character, but he is very, very different from what we expect a guy like Tyrese to be, and I think that's okay, as long as. At some point down the road, you know, his arc, character arc, is complete. And by that I just mean that 
sort of whatever he's dealing with is resolved somehow and then he moves on from it or you know maybe the opposite will happen that he's totally consumed by his his um problems and they're they spell the end of him i don't know anything could happen as long as something happens and you know i don't mind if it takes a long time or if it takes a short time but but it's gotta it's gotta take it's gotta happen at some point so right now it seems like tyrese is a bit of a big giant girly man who won't do anything right oh don't say that He's he's a big softy. I don't say, I wouldn't say he's a girly man. All right, sorry. He's a big softy. He's having he's conflicted. He doesn't want to kill people. He feels bad about it. And he, even when he tries to kill someone, he fails. Except for Bob. He killed Bob okay, but Bob was his friend. So but Bob was dead already. And and Bob was dead already. That's true. He was sparing Bob the uh the torture of coming back as a zombie. So yes, Tyrese seems kind of lame right now, but as long as it all pays off in the end, I'm going to be okay with it. Okay. Any other thoughts That's on Tyrese? Fine. I don't think he's going to die soon. I don't think he's going to die until his uh, his story arc is complete, and I have faith that his story arc will get cool before he dies. That's right. Plus, he has zombie-killing berserk mode, and we got to see that in action at some point. We haven't really seen it yet. Hammer time. He does have the hammer time. Well, who's the last person to die before Bob? Um, main character. Who died before Bob? Well, nobody died in the premiere, so we go back to season four. Who died yeah. at, uh, um... Nobody, nobody died of... at Terminus. What? Nobody died at Terminus. No, that's true. Uh, who died in the... in the Herschel? In the governor's assault on the prison. Herschel did. Herschel did. A bunch of, a bunch of governor people died. So I think it was Herschel. Boy, it has been a long time. It really has since we've had. Anyway, a... I was just uh, I just thought of that. Just wondering who, uh, you know, who died. So nobody died on the on the road to Terminus. I don't think okay. so. Oh, uh, the two little girls. Yeah, they were kind of main characters, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard to call them like core characters, though. They were pretty important for that whole uh, the whole season. You know, they were learning the, how to use knives and how to shoot and. That uh, zombies weren't uh, weren't people. Yeah, but they were important to Carol's story more than anything, and Tyrese's actually. You know, yeah. I I and Lizzie definitely. They didn't. What did did they? I was just wondering if they had their own plot lines. I don't think they had their own plot lines. They were they were all part of Carol's plot lines. Um, yeah, they they were basically part of Carol's plot lines. Um, and and but you're right. I mean, they were important characters for for what they provided to the show and what they provided to Carol and other characters. But I I, I wouldn't call them core main characters, e- even though Lizzie kind of came close. Um, but you're right, Lizzie. And before that, I think it was Herschel. Boy, it has been a long time since a major yes. character has died. Uh, but I think they'll be killing people off before the first half of this season is done. We'll see. More people. Yes. Uh, Bernie from London, UK writes, My big question is why Abraham still decided to leave even if the reason to extract Eugene is now cleared. The danger is gone. He could easily stay longer and wait at least another 24 hours. I know he wanted to leave for DC fast, but the main reason for this was the threat of the termites. And the termites are dead, so why is he still so anxious to go? Just because I think he wants to uh, get on the road and finally get back to his main mission. He was using the termites as an excuse to get the hell out of Dodge. 
Sure. So he wants to go regardless of the reason. So it's time to go. And he made a deal to go. I'm going to give you 12 hours, and you're going to give me uh, Beth and Glenn, Ma- and uh, we're going to end the end the short bus, and we're going to get the f out of here. Maggie and Glenn. So he, yeah. Uh, what did I say? Beth. Oh yeah, who cares about Beth? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Maggie and Glenn, and then uh, they they made their deal, so they're getting the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, he <laughs> he's not a guy who backs down on a deal. I think is is the main point there. At least somebody should have said to him, "Hey, uh, the reason you wanted to leave is gone." Why don't we wait for Carol and Daryl to get back? Or help us find them, and then we can all leave together. We don't have to screw around splitting up this group. Yeah. We're not going to bother looking for Beth, because that's just stupid. (laughs) But Daryl and Carol, we'll go looking for them. And, you know, for sure, Maggie wouldn't have had anything to say about that. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Maggie doesn't care. She's still mad at Beth for Jimmy. All right, so next we have an email from Tony in Rochester, Kent, England. Uh, regarding Daryl's return with Michonne asking, where's Carol? I was drawn to the way Daryl moved his arm when he said, come on out. I think Carol is a walker. And Daryl had her tied up just as Michonne did with the walker's minders. Yeah, her uh, walker pets. But then if right. she was a walker, why would he say, come on out? Walkers don't respond to vocal commands, I don't think. Yeah, neither do my cats, but I talk to them. Hmm, touche. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really listen to me. All right. Uh, they listen to my wife, but they don't listen to me. Now, wouldn't he have Carol like on a rope or a chain or something, though? I don't think he, maybe uh, he was holding a rope. I don't know. I didn't notice. He could have been holding a rope. Maybe it was. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe he had Beth and Carol, and one or one of them was a walker, but the other one wasn't. Right. And so come on out means you uh, come on out with your uh, your pet other one whoever that happens to be. Yeah, bring her out. Let's reveal that things didn't go so well in the last couple of days. Yeah. All right. Sarah- or a couple of months. Who, know, who knows, really? Yeah, that's right. Sarah from Wisconsin. Hey, guys, you missed an option for who is behind Daryl. Clearly, Daryl has the lich behind him. <laughs> oh, the lich would have Daryl on a leash. The li- <laughs> <laughs> it would be the other way around. You are definitely right about that. I just think it's hilarious that the lich has come into play so prominently in the last couple episodes. Well, yeah, that's because there's time travel involved. Of course there is. All right, so next we have a call from Terry in Woodstock. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is uh, Terry from Woodstock, and I have one thing I want to bring up. When they asked asked Daryl, where's Carol, there's a tear in his eye. So I think something might have happened to Carol, and the question, I think the holy shit question is, who is in the woods? I have four people it could be. Um, it's either Carol and maybe something happened to her. It might be Beth, which I highly think is not going to be that. Um, it could be Morgan, which I don't think is that either. And I also hear we have a new cast member and the character's name is Noah. I'm guessing it's either Noah or Carol. And if it's Carol, something happened to her. I actually think Carol's where Beth is and she's scouting for them to return if nothing has happened to her. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Hopefully this gets I called soon enough before you guys get this out. Have a good one. Thanks, Terry. Um, my only problem with it being this new character that we know, I think his name Noah. We talked about that when uh, the actor was cast. My only problem with that is it's going to be weird if, I think the way I see it now is it will be weird if Daryl returns with this brand new unknown character and and not like in the 
TV show universe, but even for like the viewers, it's like we just met this guy and he's bringing him back to the group. Something pretty insane is going to happen, have to happen to give the viewers enough time to get connected to this character so that he brings that so that he comes back with Daryl and it feels natural. Maybe we'll get the next five episodes. We'll just be Daryl, Carol, Beth, and Noah. That would be a and lot. And we'll link up. Yeah, it would be a lot. That would be a little too much. But I, I don't know. Like, something's going to have to happen. Maybe it's Noah and one of them. I don't think it's going to be all three, Carol, Beth, and Noah. Uh, there's got to, you know, something is going on there that they're If it's Carol, it if it's Beth, or even if it's Noah, why would Daryl have them stay behind until he figured out what was going on near the church. Like, well, why would he wait for, for the conversation with Michonne before saying, come on out? Yeah, that's that's the main question. But if it's if it's Noah, if it is this new person that nobody knows, you know, maybe he doesn't want to alarm anybody by walking up in the middle of the night with some stranger, right? And so he's like, you hang back for a sec. I'll go. I'll let everyone know there's a new guy coming, and then you can come out, right? Yeah, that kind of makes sense. But or the whole other thing is somebody's a zombie or somebody's injured or something has happened, and Daryl just needs to be careful about whatever it is. And so he comes out first, makes sure you know he knows everyone is there, and that's it. Or maybe, maybe he knows somehow that something has gone down at the church, and he's like, if I'm gonna go, and if things go bad, you guys run away and go get help or maybe not help but run away and save yourself something like that could be i don't know there's all kinds of possibilities i hope we find out uh who knows on sunday well i hope so well we're gonna i i think we are too especially at the, they need to pay that off right we've you know we've now invested a week into that who the hell is with daryl <laughs> that's right uh, they gotta pay that off the amount of brain hours that people have spent trying to figure that out they have to pay it off yeah and soon uh, or it's you next, isn't it? No, it's you. Oh, Mark okay. From the UK. Mark from the UK. Uh, when the camera focused on the sign outside the church for longer than necessary, in my opinion, it got me thinking about the significance of St. Sarah, who the church is named after. St. Sarah was the patron saint of the Roma, or gypsy people. Quite fitting for this group of travelers, really. She was also the patron, patron saint of laughter, and Bob spent a fair bit of the episode laughing. Finally, she is the wife of Abraham. I don't know. I don't think the last point is relevant, but maybe you can tie it into the episode somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so Abraham's married to the church. Yes, he is. Clearly. Okay. Clearly. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mark. That was uh, that was good. That was cool. All right. Next, we have a uh, an email from Chris in the UK. Quick Beth prediction: baby farming. We haven't had the reproduction story yet. Repopulation story yet repopulation reproduction same diff yeah i know um i just like accuracy uh baby farming eh so beth is having her eggs harvested and whoever she is stuck with is trying to repopulate the earth so she's a baby field where they grow babies that's right i think that's a crazy idea but i don't see why not I, but not so crazy that it couldn't actually be possible yeah, go, you know, scour the countryside in your churchy car and uh, find as many young girls as you can so that we can uh, get as many babies out of them in their lifetime as we possibly can. Yep. I don't see why not. We need to have living people being born. So uh, 
Let's see. We will find out. Uh, this next one is Maria in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And uh, she talks about the trailer or the scenes that we've seen from next week's episode. So it's a little spoilery if you haven't watched those or, or if you tend not to watch them. But otherwise, this is just speculation. So uh, Maria writes, I have a theory about who's with Daryl and what's going on with Beth and where Carol could be. I believe the events of next week's episode called Slab Town will take us back in time with Beth and what we see will be the events that were happening during the timeline of the episodes Us and A from Season 4. We see from the preview for next week that she wakes up from an ap apparent coma with what appears to be a broken arm and a big gash on her face. I'm theorizing that she has been in a car accident in that car that took her, and it was perhaps even staged so that she would be medically compromised, making it easier to keep her at the hospital. When Daryl and Carol find the hospital, probably near the end of the episode, I believe something will happen to Carol that will cause her to be taken into the hospital where Beth will recognize her. I believe Daryl will escape with another patient, most likely Noah, and that's who Daryl will bring back with him so they can all go rescue Beth and Carol together. Except for Maggie, because she doesn't care. Yeah, Maggie's now gone. And she doesn't give a crap anyway. Well, if Carol's been kidnapped, maybe she'll start to care a little bit. It's like, okay, let's go get Carol. <laughs> uh, oh, and Beth. And Beth, too. Yeah, yeah. If, if we happen to run into her, you know. Yeah, she happens to be there and, you know, easily, you know, rescuable. Yep. Easily. We will see. I, it's, I, think, it's a, I think it's a great theory. Um, and it sort of fits in with my, you know, Daryl coming back and he's bringing back a stranger. So he wants him to hang back for a minute. But he brings back Noah and he's like... You know, they have Carol and Beth or whoever's left. We got to go bust them out. And Noah here knows where it is, knows how to get in. He can help us. Okay. So just uh, I'm going to tell you what I would do if I were Daryl. If I was in Daryl's situation and I were bringing somebody new that I trusted, you know, uh, for good or for ill, uh, and I was bringing them to a camp where I know everybody is high strung and have lots of firearms and lots of capability to kill and slaughter and to uh, uh, to protect themselves. And I was, you know, let me come out first. And when I say it's okay, you come out. And I meet up with someone and I, uh, you know, I determine that it's safe to come out. You know what I would do at that point instead of doing what Daryl did? Tell me. Daryl said, you know, come out because it's a surprise. Surprise, I brought a surprise for you. I would say to Michonne, I have somebody here that I trust and I'm going to bring him out now. Just to warn Michonne so she doesn't go flying off the handle and start swinging her sword left and right, <laughs> and killing that random guy. Cut the guy's head off. It, That's right. It's not a story. It's not a plot point. It's not a, a you know a, a birthday present. It's not a surprise. It's you know I'm doing this in order to make sure everybody's safe. So I would do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would uh, you know spring it on uh, on Michonne. Surprise! I got a new guy. Well, maybe when we see the what happens next, like. I don't think next week's episode is going to start with this scene. I think it's going to end with this scene. What What's going to happen is we're going to see everything leading up to this, and then in the last five minutes, we get caught up to that point. Daryl says, come on out. Somebody walks out of the forest, and then there's a couple of minutes while they introduce everyone, decide what to do next, and then the episode ends. And um, But I think you're right. So maybe when we get to that scene, Daryl will say, come on out, and then turn back to Michonne, and be like, I met this guy, uh, 
blah, 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 blah. I met him at a hospital. You know, don't freak out. Right. So uh, I think I think that might might be what happens. And uh, then everyone will be okay and no one will get killed. Hopefully. Hopefully. All right. So next we have a call from Nick, formerly from Tampa. Good morning, Chris. Good afternoon, Jason. It passed noon while I was speaking, so I figured I'd act accordingly. <laughs> uh, this is Nick, formerly of Tampa, uh, now residing in Largo, and I have a, I'd like to think, fairly important question to ask. But first, I need to give you a teeny bit of backstory. So, last Christmas, my sister, being the best person in the world, decided to get me The Walking Dead Compendium 1, and I loved it. Before I was even halfway through, I bought um, Compendium 2 on Amazon and just plowed halfway through that while also watching The Walking Dead during its current season. Here's the problem, though. And if this is spoilery for the show or comics, I apologize to anybody listening. So last season, when Rick takes a huge chunk out of that guy's neck, I had literally just read that in the comics two days before. And now, with Bob uh, getting his leg eaten, I obviously read that in the comics, although it happened to Dale. So I'm wondering, should I even continue reading the comics? Because I feel like it's actually spoiling the show for me a little. Uh, Any insight that you guys could give would be greatly appreciated, because I have been stuck halfway through Compendium 2 for, like, months now racking my brain on whether or not I should pick it back up and continue with the adventures of our heroes. Thank you so much. Love the show. Love you guys. Have a good one. Right on. Thank you, Nick. So this, I wanted to play Nick's call here because I think it's an important issue or at least an interesting one to talk about for a minute. Um, because I feel the same way as Nick, and I started feeling this way in season four. Well, maybe the very end of season three, but mostly in season four, that it felt like the show was was veering more back towards the comic storyline, like more than it ever had before, and I felt like my knowledge of the comic was really, really coming into play with my ability to anticipate and predict what was going to happen on the show. Now, the show was still entertaining and still enjoyable, but I did feel a little bit like I wish I hadn't read the comic necessarily because, you know, we're now watching this TV show. Um, and if I was going to give Nick some advice and 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 knowing that he is worried about this a little bit, I think my advice would be stop reading the comic. Don't read it for now um, because it's it's going to be, you know, it's going to influence your your viewing of the show no matter what. And if that's bothering you, then I would say stop reading. I find it interesting that you say that because I have the complete opposite advice. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, you should read the comic because what's the alternative is watch the show and then read the comic when the show's all over because that's going to spoil the comic. So you either give up on one or you read or watch one and it spoils the other. And I think if something's going to be spoiled, I think you should read the comic uh, because the comic is great. It's uh, it's fascinating. And the show uh, can 
highlight the uh, you know what's happened in the comic and what's different from the comic, and that can be incredibly entertaining. It's entertaining to me because I've you know I haven't read all of the comics, but I've read at least you know far past where we are now. So I I can uh, I generally enjoy the differences and I enjoy the similarities. Mm-hmm. No, I, it's a, it's a very valid point. Um, by 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 consuming both, you're ultimately going to influence your feelings to the other, like it, which, whichever one you you experience first, right? You're going to influence the one you experience second. Um, but it, but it's a tough call. I mean, you're right. You either have to just give up on one altogether. Or accept the fact that these two are related. They're based on the same. Uh, the TV show is based on this comic property, and there's not a lot you can do. Um, but 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 I have I think that my my feelings about having read the comic and how it affects the viewing of the show changed in season four, the beginning of season four, because up until then, there was never any feeling like what I knew from the comic was taking away or affecting my enjoyment of the show at all until season four. So right. I don't know exactly what changed if if when Scott Gimple took over, it, it really came that much closer to the comic storyline. Um, but maybe it has, and maybe that's what it is. So, you know, it's a tough call. It is. I would read the comic. I would, I would read the comic and enjoy the comic and uh, enjoy the similarities and... Uh, and differences uh, from the show but i'm i guess my uh, i don't like to be spoiled in some things but i'm okay with spo- being spoiled in others and for some reason the walking dead i'm okay with being spoiled well it's it comes with the job that we we do here on this podcast right you can't yep. um we get well me I, both of us generally consume all the walking dead there is right we read the books we've played the video games We've read yeah. the comics. I'm 100% up to date on the comics, and we watch the TV show, and that's a lot of a lot of stuff to ingest and a lot of time spent, you know, thinking and experiencing this, uh, thinking about and experiencing this this Walking Dead universe. So, um, yeah. your average person may not have the same feelings on it, although clearly Nick seems to. But you know what the best thing Nick can do is what. Watch the TV show now, and then in 20 years, read the comic. Right. Yeah, the comic is going to stand up to time more than the TV show will. Probably, yeah, because TV shows, effects change, everything changes about TV. But but give yourself enough of a time uh, difference that the TV show is ancient history by the time you read the comics, and it'll be like it's new to you. So buy the comics and save them for 20 years, and then at that point read them <laughs> or if you find that you don't give a shit anymore sell them for a lot of money and be rich <laughs> and be rich whereas with the TV show you can't acquire the TV show and then sell it in 20 years and make a lot of money because oh you have DVDs of uh, the first season of Lost who gives a shit nobody like, really yeah. nobody cares it's not I have an unopened package personally I have an unopened package of the first season DVDs of Lost that I gave my parents when it first came out they're like yeah we watched that show on TV it was stupid so they never opened it <laughs> and funny. then uh, and then years later when my mom moved into a smaller place she said do you want this and I'm like sure I'll take it you know I have an unopened pristine package of the first season of Lost it is totally totally worthless unless there's anybody out there listening that wants to pay jason a thousand dollars for this 
feel free to contact us. Don't do that. You're wasting your money. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't take the money. I wouldn't do it. We re- if you want to give me a thousand dollars because you're uber rich and you just don't give a shit, that's fine. But I wouldn't make you take this first season DVDs of Lost because if you really are that rich where you can just give a thousand dollars to a schmo like me, uh, you can acquire this TV show in some other manner. Hmm, that's true. Anyone who wants to give out free money, uh, visit Patreon.com/slash/TheTalkingDead. Good. That that's even better. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, that's it. We got one more, right? Yeah, uh, I think so. One more. David in Springfield, Missouri. Here we go. Hey guys, this is David Healy from Springfield, Missouri. Um, I just wanted to comment on the conversation between Bob and Gareth when Gareth told Bob that uh, the better looking people taste better. Um, I heard on another podcast they referenced how Bob was told last week uh, that he tasted better than they expected. So was that like a subtle dig at him that he's not very attractive? Also, I'm wondering, out of all of the people on The Walking Dead, based on termite logic, who would taste the best and who would taste the worst? And how would you all taste? Okay, thanks for taking my call. All right, thank you, David. So, Jason, you can go first. Who would taste the best on The Walking Dead using termite logic on uh, the quality of or the tastiness of people? It really is a tough call, but uh, for this season, I'd have to go with Maggie. I think I'd agree. Yeah. Who would taste the worst? Do we have to stick to this season, or can I go with any season? Go with any season. Uh, Oh, does it have to be human, or can I say the teabag zombie from season two? Because I would not want to partake in that. No, I agree. Eating any zombie would be pretty bad. Although, when you think about it, if if eating these zombies, if cooking meat from anybody, zombie or human, and eating it does not affect you in any adverse way, imagine the food source for that zombies could provide for these people. Okay, so you have to remember that these people are dead. Right? Yes. So if you walked into a field of dead pigs that have been dead for a year, yep. would would you cook them up and make some bacon? Uh, no, I would not. No. So eating zombies, I think, is out because it's rotten meat. Whether it's up and walking around and trying to chew on you is irrelevant. It's still dead, rotten, rotting, maggoty meat. So don't eat it no matter what. Don't eat zombies. All right. Don't eat zombies. Well, I, I agree with you. This season, Maggie, she's uh, she's looking really good. Um, but good God, all the women on this show are are enormously attractive. Well, everybody on the show is attractive. Everybody, I mean, they're on TV for crying out loud. I can't say that uh, that anyone really is is unattractive. Um, it would be controversial to say that I think Norman Reedus might taste the worst, but that's just my own yeah. personal preference. Yeah, I'm not sure who I would pick as and the worst. Frankly, we probably just lost like 30% of our listeners for me saying <laughs> that. So uh, I take that back. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, maybe we have to stick because uh, you and I are both heterosexual. That's right? true. I know, I know I am. You say you are, but you know I'm not really sure. Uh, you never uh, so maybe we should stick to the women on the show just to, to give a – because if we're – going to say the ugliest people on the show are men, that's because we're homo- are heterosexually biased. That's true. Right? So we'd have to let's who is the least attractive woman on the show. I don't think I don't think I can go there. I mean they're all they're all beautiful people. 
They're, yeah, they're on TV. Even when they're dirty and covered in guts. I mean, that's, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, Personality-wise, maybe we should base it I, on that. No, Denise, uh, the, uh, what's her name? What, what's her name? The, the, the woman that Carol killed. Um, Mary is her character. Mary. Denise, yeah, Denise somebody. Something or other. Her. I've never liked her. I've never liked her even when she was on Star Trek. I saw her Playboy spread and thought it was yucky. <laughs> oh, boy. Denise I would, Crosby. <laughs> that's it. Uh, yeah, I never liked her from the get-go. And I've uh, I've been aware of her as an actress for quite some time. So she would taste the worst to me. All right. Um, Adam Minarovich. Yeah, I, I'm not going gonna, gonna to say he's not the best-looking dude in the world who played Ed, Carol's husband. So you are homosexual. Well, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just not sticking to your rule of picking picking the women. That's all. <laughs> I just think we're biased. Is is uh, is the only problem there? Uh, okay, possible. Because we generally find men unattractive. So by picking a man I, as the one that tastes the worst, I think we're uh, we're leaning into our bias. I don't think that that's really the same thing. I I don't find men unattractive. I just don't find them sexually attractive. Okay. Is that fair? Uh, no, I can I can see that point. I can see that point. All right. Um, how would we taste? How would you taste, Jason? Oh, I would not taste good. You wouldn't taste good. But I, w- I don't think I would taste really bad either. I think I'm right in the uh, the average ballpark, mainly. Uh, you know, I I I think I feel the same way. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm certainly no super uh, supermodel or anything. But I'm not like the ugliest chud in the universe either. Well, yeah, you're more attractive than I am. I don't know about that. I mean, oh, I think so. I think I'm I'm like just probably sub average. <laughs> yeah. If I lost 20, 30 pounds, maybe. Yeah, if you started working out, you know, yeah. got some big, got some uh, ripped uh, chest and 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 abs. It's, That'll a, never happen. It's whole, but it's if like, I lost, maybe if I lost 20, 30 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I could, you, I could uh, use to lose a few myself. Um, anyhow, that is a tough question there, David, in Springfield, Missouri, and I hope we danced around it just enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm looking through the cast list right now and I'm like, yeah, I don't think any of these people would taste that bad. They're all on TV. They don't pick ugly people for TV. No, they, they sure don't. That's just the way it goes. Um, boy, there's a lot, there's characters here. I don't even have, I don't remember at all. Like who? Keisha Tillis played Jenny Jones. Who the hell is Jenny Jones? Don't know. Yeah, and apparently that was in the episode Days Gone By. So uh, that was like the, right near the beginning. Yeah, right near the beginning. That was um, episode was episode one, season one, episode one. Probably a person just in the crowd somewhere that that Rick encounters in Atlanta, and you know. Jenny Jones, the actress, which that's her only credited thing, gave herself a name. <laughs> right. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, that's it, man. Look at that. We've gone through all the feedback. How do you think that went? That's, I think it went okay. <laughs> Good. Until that last question about eating eating uh, the attractive people. Um, what? I, I'm not biased against uh, anybody's sexual orientation. I'm just saying that we might be biased based on our sexual orientation. That's it. All right. Uh, let's let's wrap things up here. If you want to give us a call, you can do so by calling the toll-free zombie line at one 483 
888-789-9662. Remember, that's a secret. It's not published anywhere on the internet. Only you lucky people who listen get to hear that number. Um, so uh, give it a call when you have uh, when you have a thought or a comment. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. You can also send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to get 15% off at goldlabel.com, right now we have a promotion going with them and uh, for 15% off hoodies right now. Hoodies and, uh, and, and, you know, they have a lot of really, really good looking stuff over there. So visit goldlabel.com, use the promo code SLAUGHTER15, S-L-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-1-5 for 15% off all hoodies in the Walking Dead shop right now. And uh, let them know that you heard about it here on the Talking Dead podcast because uh, we, will, we, want, we want them to know that our listeners are the greatest and uh, taking advantage of that deal. So um, do that. And uh, if you want to support us in other ways, you can also visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead to pledge a small monthly amount to the show, which all goes right back into the cost of putting this thing on. We would love that. And there's also some great rewards you can get if you go to uh, a slightly higher level, like, you know, original zombie hand-drawn artwork by friend of the show, Dave. It's very, very cool stuff. Um, and one more thing, use our Amazon link when you do all your shopping at Amazon, if you can. That's amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. Uh, we really appreciate that because you can do your shopping just like you normally would, you know, like buying, I don't know, $800 watches or, uh, you know, any anything really expensive is great. And uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps us out a little bit. So we really appreciate everybody who who supports us in that way. And frankly, if you're just a listener and you've never, uh, you know, chipped in, that's great too. It's great to just have you on board. So uh Thank you to everyone who listens and who supports the show. All right, uh, we will be back on Monday night next week after Season 5, Episode 4, which is entitled Slab Town. And uh, I'm pretty sure we'll find out who Daryl's bringing back through the woods so we can all stop thinking about it and uh, go on with our lives. Mm -hmm. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye.